many, many people in the Christian world, self-care is a dirty word. It's a dirty phrase. It sounds like you're being selfish. And uh, if you're not practicing self-care, you will be burned out. You will experience soul fatigue. Welcome to the Career Navigator podcast brought to you by Voca Center, where we help you find God's wisdom for your work. I'm Ken Kennard, and today's host is Dr. Chip Roper, Voca's founder and president. This episode begins as Chip discusses job transitions for pastors with Dave Wiedis. Dave is the director of counseling at Providence Church in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and founder and executive director of Serving Leaders Ministries. After this discussion, they open up the conversation to a panel of pastors who talk about their personal journeys of job transition. All right, well, let's jump in. Uh, we want to welcome everybody um, to this webinar on pastoral transition. And what we mean by that is vocational or career transition for pastors. And there are three organizations that are sponsoring this, uh, and I'll tell you about two. Um, and then Dave, you can tell us more about serving leaders. But um, so Made to Flourish is an organization that I work with and represent here in New York City. And they um, want to help foster flourishing pastors, flourishing communities, and uh, fl flourishing pastors, flourishing churches, flourishing communities. And um, Sean, if we can drop in the chat, there uh, a link to their website. Uh, if you sign up on their list, you get a free, a free box of books and some other resources. And uh, one of their big passions is to help pastors connect um, Sunday to Monday for the people, which is something I'm passionate about as well. Um, and then I'm I'm the president of Voca Center, and we're based in New York, but we serve people all over the actually all over the world, uh, mostly in the United States, and. Um, you know, our big idea is that we want to bring God's wisdom to work. And we want to help people uh, find God's power, His truth, His principles, uh, as they apply to their work lives. And um, we create content, we have a podcast, we have a blog, and um, a whole segment of the people we work with uh, are in some kind of vocational ministry. And um, so it's not, we work with lots of different kinds of people, but we definitely have a segment that uh, are in vocational ministry. And I'm joined uh, in hosting today with by Dave Wiedis, and Dave is the uh, founder. And um, are you like the like CEO, El Jefe? What's your title at Serving uh, Leaders? Executive Director at this point, <laughs> but founder, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you do, Dave. Sure. Leaders. Um, thanks, thanks, Chip. Good to be with you all. Uh, Serving Leaders Ministries is a ministry that was designed to come alongside pastors, missionaries, anybody in ministry with the idea of creating a very safe and sacred place for them to find help. Um, everybody on this call knows that pastors are normal people who have the normal routine problems that we all face at some time, whether it's depression, anxiety, marital issues, kids, um, you know, transitions, burnout. And oftentimes there's no safe place for pastors to go to talk about the issues that they're dealing with. So. 15 years ago, we founded Serving Leaders in order to provide that for uh, ministry leaders. Great. Well, we're going to talk about one of those issues that you see uh, and I see a lot of, and that's um, transition today. 
And we're going to start, I'm just tell a little bit of my transition story. So Dave, when you and I met, it was 2010, and I thought it was time to leave my church. I had started, um, I'd been there since 1994, so that's, I don't know how many years that is, 16 years, and I uh, thought it was time to leave, and actually announced, this is not something we recommend, by the way, but we announced we were going to leave before we knew where we were going, and... Um, which was actually harder on my wife than it was on me, and uh, but it was also hard on the church, and so we just engaged in this process of, of thinking that we're going to leave, which involved some leadership work to get the church ready uh, for succession, and it also involved searching for something new, and that that transition for me actually never got off the ground, and 15 months later. Uh, some new board members uh, came on the board and they said, uh, this isn't working. <laughs> maybe, maybe Chip, you're actually supposed to stay. And, um, and we were, we had kind of exhausted all these options. So we did, we stayed and kind of had a reset there and spent three, four more years there in that church before eventually trans actually transitioning out, uh, through a merger and which took up all of half of 2013 and half of 2014. So it was a 12 month process and it was a very um you know all of us you go through transitions as a pastor sometimes you have a sense of control and sometimes you don't have sometimes you feel forced to do it but you still have to you still get to decide and sometimes you don't have any control at all you know it's just for one reason or another the bottom falls out and you're thrown into this mix um but i you know i remember dave just thinking like it was really scary to think about what might be on the other side, not knowing. There's a little bit of a sense of I did choose to leave. I felt like a little bit like I wasn't being faithful to my church. You know, I was kind of abandoning them a little bit. And um, there's just a lot loaded in a pastoral transition. What What do you? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if yeah. you remember specific things that we talked about. I but do. You, you, know, you deal with this all the time, so yeah, I, jump I, in. I, I remember a number of things, Chip. Number one, I remember the fact that you were dealing with this is a church that you had built, founded, and built, and there was somewhat of a death of a dream that you were you were coping with as to you know whether whether you were being you know faithful to the church, faithful to the dream that you had. So there was sort of a death of a dream. Uh, I remember there being a lot of anxiety because it wasn't like you were saying, I'm going to transition to one particular thing. You were looking at various uh, organizations. You were trying to see what would give you life and what would what would be a good fit, not just for you, but for, for Audrey, your wife, as well as your kids. And so I remember it being a stressful time, high anxiety for Audrey. And you just trying to navigate, you know, career, ministry, marriage, family. So those are big, big loaded areas that you were dealing with. Yeah, it was. It's intense. It's like it's everything on the table. And um, yeah. when we first started to try to transition, my wife actually worked at the church, which made it even harder. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the there's a couple of resets that came out of that failed transition. One was we needed a little bit more space in our lives, and we it wasn't good for us for her to work at the church, so she got a different job. Um, another thing I did at that time is I found some other pastors to start traveling with because I found that it's, it's hard to find friends who really understand everything you're going through unless they're pastors themselves. Yeah, I had to, we had to get the three of us started to meet. We met at a pub uh, just like Martin Luther did, you know, um, and um, we hung out and um, we had to get over the fact that we kind of 
felt some feelings of com- competition with each other because um, we're all in the same general area. But we, we almost every other week we had lunch with each other. And it's interesting, like that was really an anchor community for us for those three years, for me, for those three years between when I decided to stay and when I actually left. And all of us have transitioned. Mm. You know, and it's, it's one of them transitioned into a completely different line of work. And it was kind of a, oh, he was worn out and forced out in a lot of ways. Another um, had been a senior pastor and realized I'm really more of an, I'm really more like he, he took a job as a campus pastor and realized that was a better fit uh, for who he was and moved to a different kind of community. And then I transitioned to New York City and to VOCA. So, so it's kind of interesting just how ubiquitous this is. It's not just a pandemic issue. Uh, like we sometimes think the last the last two years have been unique in some ways, but pastors have been struggling with our vocations probably since the Old Testament, since Ezekiel 34, I think. Uh, and um, you know, it's it just is it just it's part of the thing. I, I wonder, Dave, if you've seen anything uh, in your practice of counseling and walking alongside pastors just that's different now or more acute now than say five years ago. Sure, I mean. A lot's different, and I think everybody on the call could probably attest to the fact that there's a lot more pressure. There seems to be a lot more conflict, a lot more complaints. Uh, one, of the, one of the refrains that I hear from many pastors is that people no longer have a filter, and they're willing to voice whatever opinions come to mind. And uh, so there's a lot more criticism. And then with the whole, you know, the political part, the election, the COVID, the controversy with that, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of pastors experiencing burnout, soul fatigue. Um, You know, there's some of the more recent surveys from, I think, Barna and uh, Lifeway. You know, there's many more pastors who are really considering leaving full-time ministry. So it's a significant jump that we're seeing and people are under pressure. Yeah, and as you think about this, actually, let's come back to the good transition, bad transition later. Let's 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 weave that into our conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think there's I've seen that too in the people that I'm walking with and coaching, pastors that I'm coaching. There's more the polarity is inesca- inescapable, and that sense that you can't win, no matter what you do, is more mm-hmm. acute. I think than you know we we feel it. Uh, in New York, it's also the city anyway. There's just a sense of people have not come back to church, and I know that that's spotty in different places. But some places they have, some places they haven't. But you know, the the whole rhythm of life and where people live and where they spend their time has changed a lot here, and that's you can't escape that um, uh, as a pastor. You feel it. So there's a lot going on. The Career Navigator is our way of helping people deal with the chaos and stress of career transition. The program combines personal assessments for getting clarity on your calling, skill development for communicating your unique value, and proven strategies for making the leap to your next. We offer individual and cohort versions and would love to help if you or someone you know is facing a job transition. For more information, check out vocacenter.org slash career navigator. Um, and so with that in mind, we're going to bring on a panel of pastors, um, and we're going to, they've each navigated this last several years in different ways, been through different kinds of transition. Um, so I'm going to bring them on, I'm going to introduce them uh, really quickly, and then uh, we're going to have a conversation. 
So John Wellborn is the senior pastor of Salem E Free Church on Staten Island. Good to see you, John. And um, John, John, John is a stay, staycation transition. He stayed where stayed, he stayed put during this time of change, even though a lot of people in his church have moved. And it's it's been an interesting and challenging process just to to, to think through and. And like everybody in, and John's in, we were in New York City. Everybody that lives in New York City, all our friends tell us we should move to Florida or South Carolina. Yeah, like, so John's been the recipient of that uh, unhelpful advice. Um, uh, we're also joined by John Young. And um, John Young is in Nashville. And he was uh, an associate pastor at Parks Church there. And he transitioned into the field of executive recruiting and now he works for affinity search partners so he had a very he's a very significant career change uh for john young and um still god's fingerprints all over that now we've got mark snyder who was a lead pastor of scarsdale community baptist church which is north of new york city and uh over the last several years he transitioned out of there voluntary departure didn't know exactly where he was going and has ended up as the uh, lead pastor of pleasant view church in middlebury Indiana, uh, which is, I'm, I'm assuming Mark has proven to be a very different kind of political environment and community uh, than where you were before. And that was some of what I think was driving some of that. And then we have Tracy Troxell. He's the lead pastor of Stonehill Church in Princeton, New Jersey. And um, Tracy's church had planned to do a pastoral succession in the summer of 2020. Per they knew a pandemic was coming. Uh, and they just thought they would add a little complexity to life. Um, and so they, they had this transition planned. Senior pastor, been there th 35 years. And um, they were unable to, uh, their search firm was unable to provide a, a candidate that everybody could agree on. So Tracy was asked to step up and be the interim, uh, the interim senior pastor, which is always, almost always a thankless job. Uh, but then, uh, uh, I guess just a, I mean, it wasn't too long later, he was at, three, three months later, he was asked to consider being the permanent senior pastor. And so he went through a very interesting transition from associate to interim senior pastor to senior pastor, all during the raging pandemic. So he's, he's got an interesting story too. So guys, great to be, have you all on here with us. And um, I hope I, I didn't butcher your, your introductions, but um, let's just go around and talk a little bit about, you know, what what clinched your transition decision for you? What kind of pushed you over the edge? And um, love to hear that. I'll start, I guess, uh, Chip. Sorry for the sirens. We're, like I say, in New York City, so they may come from uh, from time to time. But uh, really, uh, being not from New York City originally, I was given the opportunity to, to come to an established church that really desired to be a, a multiplying church. Uh, to multiply churches uh, around a very needy part of uh, of our city. And so that was the vision that God had given to my wife and I. We moved here uh, almost seven years ago. And so really uh, what clinched our decision in the last two years of transition and difficulty and, and challenge was just the feeling that we had not yet accomplished what we felt like God called us here to accomplish. Mm -hmm. I know so many of those factors are out of our control. Obviously, we didn't bank on a pandemic or, you know, uh, cultural convulsions. David Brooks called it uh, recently in the Times that racial up, uh, you know, tensions and those kind of things that, that, that also followed. We didn't, those things are out of our control as well as what has become a significant exodus 
uh, from our church. I think we've lost about uh, about 40% of our members have moved away in the last two years. Um, and uh, it's still happening uh, today. I actually had a staff member right before this meeting walk in and tell me that they were they were going to be resigning and moving away as well. So we're still in it. Uh, but ultimately, my wife and I felt that God called us here with a very specific purpose in mind. And we had not yet accomplished that purpose. And we wanted to stay diligent uh, to the work that he called us to until we felt like he'd released us, released us from it. So uh, that was prayer time, study the scripture, you know, discussion, deliberation, talking to mentors you know, around the country and, and, um, and getting uh, advice and wisdom. Right. That's great. It's a great process too. Somebody else, what kind of pushed you, what clinched your transition decision? If I can jump in. Um, our transition, um, really, maybe if I was more aware, I would have seen the signs before, but uh, I can't think of what those signs would have been. Our kids were attending school and uh, we were trying to figure out, we had our kids on a different vaccination schedule and the public school basically cracked down in September and said you need to have all your shots caught up by December and for us one of our kids needed to get caught up faster than the others and the, the superintendent got involved and said gave us a deadline and it turns out one of our kids was well the, the one of this affected was in kindergarten and he couldn't he was sick at the time they needed the deadline it just kind of pushed us we kind of saw how militant New York was being about the vaccines and it, it got it, it pushed us to a place where we were uncomfortable having our kids in the public school. Um, and uh, so we, we announced to the church that we were going to be leaving. And that was right before we had to first close the church a uh, week before the church shut down for COVID. That's what I was announcing to the church that I'd be leaving. So that was our, it was really um, kind of personal family decisions meets state mandates and school and then we you know we lived in scarsdale new york so the idea of getting public school or a private school would have been kind of ridiculous so we kind of found ourselves in a spot where we needed to to move on so that was that was god's way of pushing pushing us on because there was no i didn't have any inclination other than really our uh, our situation to to consider moving tense somebody else tracy or john uh, my, my, I was pushed over the edge gradually. <laughs> I can't identify one moment that, that clinched it. Uh, and I think there's a lot of good reasons for that. The church was at a very good place. Um, it still is. Uh, I've been planning a church in my neighborhood with a friend of mine. Um, we started out planning as a pair. Um, I had seen a lot of fruit. This was the most fun I'd had since college ministry. Um, my family was healthy and well. My wife wasn't, you know, burnt out and wanted me to leave ministry or anything like that. But I just had uh, some unrest that I didn't know if it was from the Lord or not. And it really was a year of step-by-step step pursuing that um, in community, of course, prayerfully. Um, and my, my co-pastor, the men who would become elders, I approached them very early on. They encouraged me to investigate, um, eventually connected with Chip and other mentors. And so it was, it was actually for me a long, slow process before the scales kind of tipped. And I realized uh, I, this is how the Lord is leading. Was there anything particular, John, that just, I mean, since you transitioned out of full-time pastoral work, like, was there anything that happened that made that okay? 
Yeah. Well, I think there were some seeds planted my first year. So I did six years campus ministry and six years ordained church ministry. My first year as a church pastor, I was tapped to do a faith and vocation seminar several weeks long, and it ended up sowing some seeds that are still bearing fruit. Uh, and I became passionate. You mentioned earlier, made to flourish, connecting Sunday to Monday became something that I was really interested in. Uh, and then throughout the process, I realized I'd, I'm not sure how much I believed what I had been teaching and preaching. Hmm. And so um, what really clinched it for me was, you know, I set a goal to have 100 conversations in 120 days. And it was just the Lord chipping away at unbelief and clarifying, you know, theological convictions, but also seeing how God works, the great good that God generates in the world through, you know, secular vocations through companies and and the need to restore joy to work so i think as i had those informational interviews it clarified it more and more and my excitement grew to be honest i, I had spent all that time equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and felt an excitement to go be in the field to be in the work of the ministry right well said how about you tracy multiple kind of inflection points, I guess, in your process, at least several anyway that I'm aware of. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so I, uh, yeah, my, my colleague and boss uh, was retiring uh, after 35 years of ministry. He was going to step down in July of 2020. In January, we don't have, uh, we don't have any candidates. Uh, after a year-long search, I had not applied for the job because I thought it might be a suicide mission. Uh, I thought if the elders put a gun to my head, I would talk to them about it. I might pray about it, but I was sort of relieved that I probably wasn't going to be in that mix. <laughs> now they don't have any candidates. And uh, that was late January. In February, the other associate announces that he's leaving. So now I'm going to be the, the only pastor left here before long. And then the pandemic hits and we're not meeting as a church. And that's when the board... Um, you know, asked me to consider being this interim person. And of course, I didn't know how that would work, you know, necessarily. Uh, it, it, it seemed like they get it. I, I wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a very comfortable <laughs> decision to make. Then they also said, we'll let you be the interim, but we're actually going to come back and consider you for the senior pastor. And I can remember in the middle of March when I knew the church was going to be shut down and I was having to make a decision whether I'd be interim or not, almost throwing up on a walk, praying about all this, because I said, this is, this is insane. This is not exactly how I would have designed it. And, uh, but I also felt like what, who else is going to do it? Uh, I thought the church needed someone who knew the church and they knew me. I'd been at the church about 23 of the last 35 years on several different occasions. And so I felt like God had narrowed down the decision and I felt like I needed to jump in and sort of decided whatever happened would happen. And uh, I had taken a break from ministry about 10 years earlier and worked at Chick-fil-A for a year. And there were a lot of Chick-fil-A's in New Jersey. And I thought if worse comes to worse, I can go back and flip some chicken. And so we decided to just dive in and see where it took, took us. And, and now, and now, now I'm the permanent senior, well, permanent. I'm the senior pastor today. <laughs> and um, so anyway, it was, it just felt like God put this and said, you've got to do this. You're the only one who can do it. So we dove in. 
I'd be interested to know how you guys experienced God showing up for you. <clears throat> what, were, what were ways in which you felt like, man, I didn't, I didn't see God coming in in that way, but he did. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Tracy mentioned uh, not feeling well on a walk. <laughs> and uh, there, was, there was one opportunity I had and the door was, was becoming open. And I had a, before this, I don't know, it was the second or third interview. Um, I just had this, like, my stomach was churning and just, it was just restlessness, really. But I, I couldn't sleep. I was up in the middle of the night. I usually sleep really well. I was like, what, what is going on? And, and conversations that I had previously with the church were circling a bit. And I kind of, it's never worked out like that before, but it was, it was God's way of saying, this isn't, this isn't the right way to go. And I, I called for that interview to cancel it. Like, I don't, I don't need to waste anybody's time. I'm not, I'm not mm -hmm. coming here. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely God's way of getting a hold of me in that in that instance. Yeah. Interesting. John or John or John? I think for me, I know my own uh, flesh. I know my own uh, personal temptations and what what sort of things you know play into my own pride. I know in the past the ways I've gotten myself in trouble. You know, in pursuing things that maybe weren't the will of God, but I'd convinced myself were. So in this journey of discernment, there was uh, there was having uh, really the 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 call and the response in my own life to lay down my own ambition uh my own uh, pursuit of my career path um and uh and instead see the calling um to this community for for what it was that it wasn't just a call for good days it was a call for the good and the bad days and um and a realization that um you know uh it wasn't going to be easy but yet there wasn't any sort of fear related to sticking around or, you know, what that would mean. Um, if I have to go by vocational, I'll go by vocational. If I have to, you know, even go to be a volunteer in my church, I'll be a volunteer. But ultimately I want to be in the center of God's will and, you know, and reminding myself, you know, the primary text and discernment was Romans 12, one and two, you know, which tells us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. And it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind uh, that you may test and approve what his will is good, pleasing and perfect will. And I began to look, you know, what is the pattern of the world and what is, you know, what is, uh, what is counter to that? And the pattern of the world was for, you know, middle-class, um, you know, mainly white, um, you know, conservative families are leaving as, as quickly as they can uh, out of this community and out of the city. And um, instead I felt the Lord was calling us to, to dig in deeper and to be even more, uh, dedicated to the mission call. So, which is it, completely contrary to what I know of my own, my own nature and my own flesh, uh, which would have said, you know, find, find somewhere else to go where I can, you know, where I can build a, a you know, greater resume, build a larger church, not presiding over a, you know, church in decline due to yeah. cultural convulsions. Um, so I, th I think they're just, you know, in my prayer time, God was, was clear uh, with me concerning, concerning that. And the fact that not only myself, but my wife and my kids, all were, were ready to lock arms together, you know, for this effort and to, uh, to further invest ourselves into this community that, that so desperately needs churches and believers. So it sounds, it sounds like for you, there was a, a deep conviction of being, being sacrificial and giving up, giving up some dreams and ambitions and, and really following what God was calling you to do. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think one of the ways that God showed up for me was to um, make me feel free to explore 
because for a long time, I just was, uh, regardless of the arguments I could make in my head, I felt in my heart this wrestling of, am I just selling out? Um, you know, am I choosing the comfortable path instead of the narrow and hard path? Um, am I giving up? Uh, how, how many people am I going to let? I mean, I'd married and baptized several neighbors since we started planning the church. What are they going to think? Is it going to affect their relationship with the Lord? And uh, there, I don't think there's ever been a pastor who didn't have a big ego. And I'm, I'm not immune to that either. So the ego was wrestling with some genuine concern. And I needed the Lord to remind me that although I matter, I've never been the point and um, he doesn't need me. And, and he just confirmed that he freed me up emotionally. My wife was a huge support. And then when I did bring it to church leaders, um, it was almost as if they'd been prepared um, to affirm that their love for me mattered more than what that I could do for them is what it felt. How about now on the other side, John, you know, you've been in this role, what, six, nine months, maybe something like that. Has God shown up in your new work? Yeah, he has, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, he's shown up in a lot of ways, I think, um, it, it more so in grow. The world has gotten bigger. That's one way to say it. It just feels like without me knowing it, my, my time in vocational ministry, the world kept getting smaller and smaller. And now I think my world's gotten bigger. My understanding of what mission is, has gotten bigger. Uh, uh, the individual interactions I'm able to have with people who are in career transition themselves, um, the ways I'm able to help restore someone's sense of dignity that belongs to their work, which brings me great joy. So from individual interactions to even just the way that God's using me at my current company, which I, I would, would have never guessed. I'd never any experience in business, never thought I would be in business. And there's been so many transferable skills that God has used to bless, you know, my partners here in this organization. So it's been, it's been very fulfilling. Wow. Tracy, what would you say? How's God shown up? Well, I think um, I resonate with that, John uh, Wellborn. Um, I feel like God really had to do work in my heart to, uh, to sort of rescue me from my uh, recurring self-absorption and uh, wanting to do something that would succeed or would, would more clearly succeed and to do something that, that may not work, that may not have, you know, whatever worldly success, but to say, are you willing, you know, I felt like God was asking me, are you willing to serve me and your church no matter what happens in, in the middle of this, you know, in the COVID and politics of COVID and the transition, et cetera. And so I feel that that's one of the things God is continuing to do that. I, I feel like I'm a recovering narcissist. Uh, I, get, <laughs> I get over it a little bit and then, and then God has to teach me the very same lesson to be able to sacrifice and not to worry about how this affects me or what it will mean for me, but to do what God has asked me to do, to be faithful and not to worry about the results. And I'm not, cause I've known that for years. I, I believe that I probably preach that, I but to, I think God had to really, uh, has to continue to, to, to help me relearn that over and over again. So mm -hmm. I can uh, keep, keep doing what I think God's called me to do here. You know, it, it strikes me as I'm listening to you, Tracy, as well as the others, that it takes a lot of courage to do what you've done you know, to, to even to say, hey, you know, I've got my dreams, I've got my ambitions, uh, but I'm going to lay that down. And then, you know, there's no guarantee of success, uh, it, at least in the world's eyes, right? 
Uh, one of my best friends is a pastor, and he was a very successful pastor. He built his built the youth group up to hundreds, and you know, just was had it had it going. And he just felt like I, I'd really like to end my career by moving to a church that is dying, um, and see if I can invest in it. And um, you know, it takes a lot of courage to do those kind of things, and to deny, deny oneself, and then to go into the unknown, and to leave to leave what you what you do know and what's comfortable, you know, it, it, it really does. It points up this idea of tensions, you know, that you, and you guys have mentioned several of them, the tension between feeling called to do something, but not knowing if it's going to work out. And we really, as much as we say otherwise, we really want, we really actually believe, like, I think we have a tacit, an implicit belief that if we're doing what God calls us to do, it's going to work out well. Even though we, like, when I say that out loud, you say, well, no, but I don't believe that. I don't preach that. But there's part of us, and we assume that, I think. And, and so that tension that, you, that John and Tracy, you guys just articulated, I think is, is really, really clear. Uh, and, and John Young, you mentioned some tensions. I just wonder what more you guys could say about tensions you've experienced in, this, in, this, um, in these seasons of transition. And they could be you know, intellectual, theological, relational. It could be more about things that happen in your marriage, your home life, or external, what, what, where's, how's tension, how's navigating tensions kind of rear up in these pro- types of experiences? Well, for me, Chip, I would say the um, hardest part of all of the, the last couple of years has been so many of the families that were a part of bringing my family and I here to do, you know, to, to embrace this mission decided to go. So many of the people that are on the committee that brought us here, the elder team, you know, uh, church leaders, have decided it's time to, to step away from, you know, from New York and, and from Staten Island specifically and, and kind of managing that tension in my own heart. Well, if, if they're not committed to it, then why do I have to be committed to it? You know, they were the ones that, that were part of, of calling me here to this, to this work. And so I had to, to steward that, that tension of, uh, you know, it wasn't them, they were a part of how God called me here. It's actually to the Lord that I've, I've committed myself and, and also living with the detention of the kingdom of man, the kingdom of God. You know, there's an economy within the kingdom of man um, that would say t- would say that it's time to go. It's time to find a better spot and a better, a growing area that you know that provides more opportunity for me to build my career and advance, you know, advance my own uh, agenda. But then the economy of the kingdom, you know, is is completely opposite of that, right? Christ didn't come to be served, but to serve. You know, uh, the first should be last. Um, you know, that's the economy of the kingdom, which says it's really not about the attendance and the giving and the, you know, and all the accolades of, of that we seek as, as human beings, but instead in the kingdom economy, the, the, it's about faithfulness. It's about, it's about uh, storing up treasures in heaven, which neither moth nor rust can, you know, can, can corrupt and thieves can't break in and steal its investment into the kingdom economy as well. So navigating those two kingdoms, navigating those two emotions of, you know, those relationships that were very dear to us, that were key in bringing us here, you know, that have, that have been changed now because they're living in Jersey or Virginia or, you know, Florida, wherever now too. So those are just a few things, you know, that factored into to our prayer journey about what to do with this moment of transition. Yeah. Well, one of the, I mean, some of the biggest tensions have been all about the politics of COVID, uh, the politics surrounding uh, the racial tension in this country, uh, another very contentious election in 2020, and trying to navigate all of that um, is been very uh, challenging. And, and, and when you're not 
in person a lot, right? We, in your altered worship service. So how do you resolve all of this conflict and do it in a responsible way uh, is challenging. Um, I think the other tension I face, you know, is, is again, this sort of in, in your mind, you're thinking, I've got to come up with some great plan or some new thing that's going to, you know, help and, you know, um, and, and, and kind of forces you back to say, do you really believe that the preaching of God's word is, is powerful enough to change the congregation? Do you really believe that getting the congregation to pray and to seek God? And so really kind of forcing you to live out what you say you believe, uh, what you affirm, what your doctrinal statement would say you believe, but to really live that out and be comfortable with uh, letting the, uh, you know, the means of grace in a church and, and to be faithful in those. And so it's been, you know, again, I'm tempted with my own recovering narcissism to try to come up with some new plan when really there's kind of an old plan, uh, preach the word, care for people, um, you know, pray and do those kind of basic things and make sure you're doing that in the midst of all the challenges we've had in terms of unity for the body. Hmm. Well said. Mark or John, anything you want to add on the tensions comment? A thread, I mean? Some of the tensions that that my family and I experienced, I guess more so me as the as the pastor, but definitely had questions from the church. You know, you're you're on their team and then and then you're going to, you're going to leave and then you're going to leave. Why? You know, like, I think there was kind of disbelief. I think that there, there was quite a range there where people understood where we were coming from and the spot we were in. And then you had this range where on the other end of that, people thought you were kind of crazy, uh, abandoning them and, and all that sort of stuff. So there's quite, you know, that transition was, uh, was hard for, uh, for a lot of reasons, but especially just that just navigating other people's grief and questions and concerns. And you can't be the one to necessarily help them through this. You know, it's like they have to kind of lean on somebody else. And so it was an interesting and difficult time that way. Uh, I think my primary tensions were just having to relinquish control. Even once I felt like the Lord was calling me to step out of vocational ministry for the first Several months, I, I just wanted to go in a nonprofit that made more sense to me. I don't think I realized at the time how much my identity was connected to overtly altruistic work. And, and so there was this big wrestling then. I can't go into for-profit. I definitely can't go into business. Um, and the Lord had to slowly pry my fingers off of that. And it all came down to wrestling. What is meaningful work was a question that I had wrestled with and so that was a big tension for me in this process. Let's, uh, you guys have had so much great things to say. We'd like to throw it open to questions. Uh, to those of you who are on the, are, are part of this conversation, you can chat them in, uh, you can unmute yourself, and which is really risky because if you're a pastor, this is gonna be really hard for you, but we really just want you to ask a question, Not, no paragraphs, just a, a sentence with one of those squiggly lines at the end. Um, we're also gonna do a poll uh, of topics that maybe you want to hear more on, um, and you can vote there, and we'll uh, we'll we'll use that to help shape the conversation. But who has a question? Either chat in or speaking for these these panelists, these thoughtful thoughtful pastors as they've navigated transition. All right, um, we've got one in the chat here from Deborah. How do you wrestle through the thought that pastoral ministry skills aren't able to be transitioned to the secular workplace and starting over? Yeah, I don't know, Tracy, maybe this dials into some of your experience. 
Chick-fil-A and John, you've lived it. So let's start with you guys. But what do you think about that question? I, I lived through this maybe 10, 15 years ago. I was in a church, very difficult conflict situation uh, back in uh, 2006 and seven at a church. I felt like God was calling me out. In fact, I'd spent a whole day in prayer. And what I wrote down was quit take a secular job and I'll tell you what to do in six months. That's what I thought God was saying. I wasn't sure. Uh, but I, I was petrified of doing that. Uh, my wife who's conservative financially said, yes, you should resign even without a job, just do it. I think that's the right thing to do. And I, I, I didn't listen to her or God for about two months because I was nervous. I mean, what was I going to say to a company? You know, what was I going to say? You know, hey, I can pray for sales to go up or something. I can, oh. you, know, I, you know, I can do funerals of employees. I mean, I, I didn't know how it would translate. <laughs> um, but the, the, the fact of the matter is God gave me an opportunity and I ended up managing a Chick-fil-A for a friend of mine in town. And it was the worst experience for the first eight weeks. I wept after every shift because I felt incompetent. I thought God had left me. Uh, I was, it was deeply depressing. And yet I look back on that year and I'm so glad I did it. It was exactly the right thing. I've often said that everything I learned at seminary, I had to relearn at Chick-fil-A. And there's a lot of ministry, a lot of ministry is working with people, caring for people, treating people with respect, listening to people and leading. And it did translate very well. And so I ended up viewing my time at Chick-fil-A as kind of like working with a youth group that was selling chicken every day. And uh, it was an incredible experience. I'm so glad I had that. And part of that experience probably gave me that the faith maybe to believe that I could do the transition that God asked me to do recently by taking a, a pretty big step of faith. John, what would you want to add? Because I mean, it's something we talked about a lot in your process. Yeah, I, the most helpful thing for me was meeting with as many people as possible who were doing as many different kinds of jobs as possible. Um, and then asking them what skills make you successful in your job and what, what do you think of the primary skills? Those kind of questions, just asking people and hearing from them the mission critical skills to their role, their vocation. It was easy for me to connect the dots at that point um, because I needed to get out of the laboratory of my own mind. That's good. And I, you know, Deborah, I just add because it's part of what we do at VOCA is we help people understand how God has made them, how he's wired them. We have some objective tools, we think, that help them see that. And it's like, we don't say, well, you shouldn't be a pastor. Um, but we just say, this is what's probably coming out as, as a pastor. And if you feel called to do something else, it's, it's really, it's just, it's really often just about, it's more about vocabulary and how we describe uh, what we do and the value that we bring. And it's, it's, um, it is intimidating. It was intimidating for me because I went through that too um after 20 years but it's not at all impossible you know god can use our gifts in lots of different ways um we have results of this poll so shauna let's see that see what people want to hear more about so the first the, the run at the winner now we'll, we'll talk about as much as these as we have time but the winner is what people want to hear more about what do you do when you feel burned out and defeated uh from you know from all the complexities that we talk about conflict political divides loss of members that kind of thing and um before we throw it open to everybody, Dave, I'm just curious, what do you think about, about people transitioning when they're burned out? 
yeah. what are some of the dynamics to consider there? Right. Um, I would say it's not a great idea at all. Um, when you're burned out, that means that you have a loss. You've suffered a gradual loss of hope, a loss of joy, a loss of confidence, uh, depletion of energy, um, depletion of motivation and vitality. So that's not the time when, to, when you are in an objective, more healthy state of mind to make a major decision of transition. I think it's much wiser to take time to heal from the burnout as best as you can and then make a decision. It's sort of like we tell people who lo lose a spouse, don't, don't immediately sell your house. Don't make ma major decision. Same mental state. So I don't think it's very wise. It's good. It's good. What would the rest of you guys add? So here's this question. You know, people feel burned out. You feel defeated. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, what do you do with that? I think, I think the, uh, the self-care is so important in those moments. And, you know, working with, I think, you know, to Dave's point, you know, you, you want to stay and, and be well. So there, there needs to be so, some sort of recovery effort there. And hopefully you have leaders that you can rely on that can, that you can be honest with and say, Hey, look, this is where I'm struggling. Can I get a breather here? Hopefully you have it. If you don't have that team, I don't, I don't know exactly how to go forward, but you need to, you need to find folks to rely on and fast. If, if you sense yourself going down that, that path, obviously, you know, relying on your, your, you know, like, like John said, and, and, you know, you have to, you have to rely on the faith that you're, you're preaching and you have to be the one to be ministered to at times. And you have to be humble enough to accept the care that your congregation or somebody else, if, if you have to go to the outside, you know, go to the outside, but, but even in, I guess it applies to transition and, and this question, like, who is your support system? Who are, who are your cheerleaders? Who are the, who are you confiding in? And if, if, if that answer is, uh, is, isn't there, then, and you, you should be building that now. So when you do feel those things, you have, uh, you have folks you can turn to. And can I, if I can just chime in, Mark said something extremely important. He used the phrase self-care. And uh, I don't know where you stand on that, but to many, many people in the Christian world, self-care is a dirty word. It's a dirty phrase. It sounds like you're being selfish. And uh, if you're not practicing self-care, you will be burned out you will experience soul fatigue. So if you, if you are burned out, that means you haven't been practicing, you haven't been stewarding the gifts that God has given you in a way to take time for yourself to rest, saying no to things in order to say yes. So there's a whole, there's a whole you know, way to start to heal from burnout, but uh, it's so important, so important to engage in wise biblical self-care. Yeah, I would say just sort of backing up what David and Mark have just said is that a lot of this is preventative. Um, it has to be preventative. And that means putting yourself in the healthy rhythms uh, long before you feel uh, burned out or feel as though you're, you know, you're, you're in trouble. And uh, some of the things I'm doing, you know, and have done um, with that is my wife and I have a counselor we see every five years, whether we think we need it or not. We just sit down and de debrief what's going on in our marriage. Um, coming into my church, we set up a, uh, uh, sabbatical schedule, you know, what uh, they could expect that every, every five to seven years, I'd be taking an extended time off, uh, with my, uh, my family and for, uh, for a, uh, a recharge. Um, I take my vacation, I take my days off, um, insist on doing that unless there's something, you know, significant to prevent it. 
And then also another thing I'd say is an enormous aspect of my own mental health is having having Pauls in my life, mentors that I can reach out to, to, to get wisdom, uh, Barnabases in my life, those that are sort of brothers. Chip is one of those for me. Uh, we play golf together and hang out and it's always refreshing just to have someone on, you know, peer that I can, I can relate to. And then there's gotta be those I'm pouring into. So even if I'm not seeing the kind of progress and growth I want to see in the organization, I'm pouring into an individual or to a small group of men that, you know, that I'm able to disciple and, and see spiritual growth in their life as well. And then there's always something for me, I'm working on the outside. So I'm working on my, my D men, my doctor ministry right now has really been a, a joy, even though I haven't seen the progress in the organization that I want, I am seeing personal progress uh, through a, a course of study that's been fulfilling and, and gives me something to, to see some wins in, uh, even if I'm not seeing it in other areas of my life too. So, but all those things are preventative. If you're in a mess right now, I'd say, talk to a to a counselor like David, you know, and, and get, get yourself in front of somebody that can help you process through, you know, the, the level of crisis that you're in and what, you know, what, where, what would be some good next steps to take um, in order to, to deal with that. Good. That's good. Well, guys, we're kind of racing to the end here. Um, I wonder if just a few of you could say like, what, what's a word of encouragement or focus or even challenge you would say you would want to share for some, for somebody that's listening to this, that's either, considering a transition or in the middle of one? Well, I've had two transitions in my life. I went from uh, church planting and pastoring to being a headmaster to private school, 500 student school. And that was back in 99 to 2000. And then recently this past year, I went from being a pastor to director of missions for the denomination. Mm -hmm. Um, And both times I felt like the Lord had just Um, made me internally ready by feeling like, well, I've done what I'm supposed to do. I've I've come, you know, it it wasn't, I don't think it was burnout. I hope it wasn't. (laughs) I don't think it was. It wasn't burnout. It was just, well, I came to do this job and and he's blessed. And uh, now I, the plate, the, the church of Virginia and the church up here in Pennsylvania, I I felt like they were in a good spot. So it's a a good time to go. Um, um, So I would, I think just as you you asked, Chip, I think maybe there's a word there that we could make a distinction, at least I've seen in my life, between being burned out versus feeling like I came, I did what I was supposed to do, and now it's time to move on. That's, you know, internally I was ready for the external call is the way I'd put it, but not because I was burnt out, but only because I felt like the task was accomplished. That's really good. I think both our Johns, I mean, John Wellborn, you basically said you're staying where you are because you don't feel that sense that you're done and you haven't fulfilled the mission that God gave you for that specific place. And John Young, your, your sense was the opposite. It was that um, you're part of the launch of this church. That's been accomplished. It's, it's happened. Um, and it, so I, th- I see that. I see, Jim, that just the validity of what you're saying. And the, and it, but we all need the community. Um, we need the council, we need the space, we need to have some, if you are tired and burned out, you need to get some rest and some, and, and leveling up some of the energy, energy indicators in your life and so forth to get some equilibrium before you enter into, I think, this, this discernment process. Like, I, I learned, like, August is a terrible time to assess how your church is doing. You know, like, it's just never going to look, it just never looks good in August. And, and it's kind of the same, like if you're fried, like it's just not going to look good and it, and you may, you may need to stay, you may not. 
And uh, well, listen, we appreciate our panelists, John, John, Mark, and Tracy. Thanks for sharing bits of your stories, gentlemen. Thanks for your wisdom. Um, thanks for sharing the journey uh, with us, with me. And, and it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Dave, uh, we really love the work that you guys do at Serving Leaders. It's benefited me, and I think it, it can it serve a lot of others as you guys continue to expand. So, um, so uh, we've put our websites, guys, in the chat, those of you online, those of you listening. And, uh, you know, we'd love to help you if we can. And, um, again, I mean, I think if you really want to boil down to this thing, to all just one principle, it's, it's really creating the space and, space and the rhythms to be able to hear and follow God's voice. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the anchor, I think, that we heard in each of our, our panelists. And um, that's what's, I mean, Dave, I know that's what's carried you through your transitions, and it certainly is what's carried me through mine. And so that's mm-hmm. our, that's our, I mean, that sounds like a little bit like what you'd expect with a group of pastors on a webinar, but um, it's real. It's real, and it, it's that sense of, of calling, whatever it is, too, could be to, it could be out to Chick Fil A and then back. It whatever that sense of calling in is is the thing that gives you an anchor and a sense of stability uh, when life is crazy. And that's that's, I think that's the main way we heard this today that God shows up in transition. So great to have everybody here. Hope we can uh, serve you in some way, and uh, wish you all a great day. So take care. You know, we record our episodes in front of a live webinar audience. You can join us and shape the conversation by signing up at vocacenter.org slash webinar. You know, we believe the process of job search and developing career clarity is a team sport. And we're honored to walk alongside professionals like you all over the world, equipping them to find and follow God's plan for their work.